Good morning. Just before we get started, just a quick reminder about uh, the colorful index cards in your bulletin. Throughout the season of Lent, you have been invited to, as part of our response to what we have heard in God's word unfolded, to write on this card one way that you have offered your life to God in the past week. This can be anything. From the tangible, like your tithe or monetary offering to the church or another organization, to the conceptual, visiting someone who is ill or sending a note of encouragement. And then during the offertory uh, or at the end of the service, whichever is more comfortable, you are invited to come forward and pin it to the bulletin board up here. And then at the end of Lent, we will have together created this beautiful menagerie of our gifts to God. And I will uh, repeat for those who are on Zoom, uh, if you type in your offering uh, into the chat, uh, I or somebody will make sure that it gets written onto a card and put up for you so that you can participate in this way. And now I will turn it over. Recording in progress. That's also good. That's a good thing. Good morning. Good morning. Through the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's love is poured into our hearts. My name is Ray Rao. I am your liturgist this morning and delighted to see so many of you here. Grace to you and peace this Lenten season. It is good for us to be together in Christian worship. I want to welcome everyone to worship this morning, whether you are here in person or joining us online. Hi, y'all. We are so glad you have chosen to worship with us. We begin our worship today by lighting the Christ candle. Whenever we do this, we remember Jesus' promise in the Gospel of Matthew that wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Now, as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship, I would invite you to use the image and words on the front of the bulletin as a centering prayer to help guide you into this time and space as we listen to the prelude.
us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we join together in the call to worship. O people of God, hope in the Lord. For with God there is steadfast love and great power to redeem. Wait for the Lord. Our souls wait for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Let us join our voices together as we sing hymn number 435, There is a Wideness in God's Mercy. the reality of grief or rushing those who yearn for comfort. Breathe in us your life-giving spirit that we might live and wait. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Friends, 
To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Trusting in the spirit of God, let us confess our sins together. Let us pray. O Lord, there are times when we are so lost, we forget to look to you. Forgive us when we doubt. Forgive us when we doubt our own feelings and the feelings of others. Forgive us when we forget that your Holy Spirit dwells within us. Help us to see your love and your presence in our lives and to trust in you no matter what life may bring. Help us follow you faithfully. Amen. And hear us as we confess to you in the silence of our own hearts. People of God, the steadfast love and redeeming power of God is with you today and always. You are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Praise to you, O Christ. Beloved, the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. And also with you. Let us share the peace and love of Christ with one another. Peace be with all of you, and as you share that peace, I would invite the young people in our midst to come forward for a children's message. Good morning. Good morning, Fiona. Good morning, Clara. How's everybody doing today? Good? <laughs> if you know I love you, give me a thumbs up. If you know God loves you, say, God, I love you too. What was that? There we go. There we go. Sometimes you got to tell them what to do, you know. <laughs> How big is God's love? Very big. Very big? I think it's bigger than that. I think it's, I think it's big as a blue whale. Oh, as big as a blue whale. That's pretty big. <laughs> Can you close your eyes and imagine... How big it is? Oh, I don't think my imagination goes that far. It's so big. God's love is so big that God can love all of us, every single one of us, at the same time. Can you imagine that? 
Can you? God loves all of God's children everywhere, all around the world, just like you. And we are all connected by God's love. Can you say that word with me? Connected. Connected. That's a good word. Now, do you know what this is? Yes, it is, it is a Noah's Ark. But what is this, this thing in my hand? A puzzle piece. There we go. What happens when we put all of these puzzle pieces together? It builds a puzzle. It builds a puzzle. And what do we see when, it, when the puzzle is built? A picture. Yes, a picture. When it comes together, we see the whole picture put together. Do you guys like puzzles? I love puzzles. They're so fun. Now, we need all of the pieces to be able to come together. But we don't just put them anywhere, do we? No. No, like, that that doesn't work, does it? <laughs> no. No. Wait, maybe, maybe like this. Oh, yeah, the fish should definitely be on top of the ark. No, 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 they have to fit together like this, right? They have to fit right together like that. Well, this is what is like when Jesus was teaching us in Matthew 25. Jesus asks us to use our pieces, our clothes, our food, our drink, and even pieces of our lives to create a whole picture. Just like one puzzle piece cannot make a whole picture, one person cannot help everybody, right? We need everybody to help somebody. When we bring what we have and we connect it, we have a whole picture of God's love and every piece makes a difference. This morning, Miss Betty over there is going to share with us about a special offering that we are going to be collecting on Easter Sunday, and it's called One Great Hour of Sharing. Now, on that special Sunday, when we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, we will bring all of our money together to help people in need. This offering will help people through Presbyterian disaster assistance, like we collected money for three, a few weeks ago for people affected by the terrible earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, through the Presbyterian Hunger Program, which helps get food to people in need, and the self-development of people. All of these programs serve people and communities in need. Now, whether you bring a small puzzle piece or a big puzzle piece or a medium-sized piece, we need all of those pieces to connect so that we can all see the love of God. Remember how we are all connected? We are all connected by God's love. So this morning, I have something for you. I'm going to give you each one of these... And what does it look like? It looks like a fish. That's right. It is a fish. But over the next couple of weeks, I want to encourage you to see the, see the slot. It's kind of like a piggy bank, like a fishy bank. 
put all of, collect some change and coins and try to fill these up as high as you can get them. And then bring them to church on Easter morning. And together, we will dedicate them to bless people all over the world who are in need. And also, those fish look kind of plain, don't they? I think we need to decorate them too. What do you think? Markers, crayons, yeah. I think that's your, that's your challenge for the next couple of weeks. Sound good? All right. Let's pray together, and will you repeat after me? Dear God, help us connect the pieces of the puzzle that belong to you so we can see the whole picture of your love. Amen. Let us pray. Holy One, may we hear your word today. May we feel your breath of life in our bones. And may we open ourselves to the new life that only you can bring. Amen. Our first reading this morning comes from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37, beginning at verse 1. The Valley of Dry Bones. He led me through them all around, and I saw there were a great many of them on the valley floor, and they were very dry. The Lord's power overcame me, and while I was in the Lord's spirit, he led me out and set me down in the middle of a certain valley. It was full of bones. He asked me, Human one, can these bones live again? I said, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord God proclaims to these bones, I am about to put breath in you and you will live again. I will put sinews on you place flesh on you and cover you with skin. When I put breath in you and you come to life, you will know that I am the Lord. I prophesied just as I was commanded. There was a great noise as I was prophesying, and then a great quaking, and the bones came together, bone by bone. When I looked, Suddenly there was sinew on them, the flesh appeared, and then they were covered over with skin. But there was still no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, human one, say to the breath, the Lord God proclaims, come from the four winds, breath, Breathe into these dead bodies and let them live. I prophesied just as he commanded me. When the breath entered them, they came to life and stood on their feet, 
an extraordinarily large company. He said to me, Human one, these bones are the entire house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely finished. So now prophesy and say to them, the Lord God proclaims, I'm opening your graves I will raise you up from your graves, my people, and I will bring you to Israel's fertile land. You will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves, my people. I will put my breath in you and you will live. I will plant you on your fertile land and you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. This is what the Lord says. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we sing together hymn number 250 in the bulb there is a flower
Please be seated. From the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the brother of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, they were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, 
the Son of God, the one coming into this world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were there with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. And they followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. God, we thank you for your word, the story of your grace. There has been a movement within Christianity over the past few decades to reclaim or reassert the humanity of Jesus. Films like Jesus Christ Superstar and The Last Temptation of Christ seek to focus our attention on the very 
humanness of Jesus. I think that a large part of this is a reaction against so much of our attention in the church on Jesus' divinity. Not that Jesus is not divine, he is. But while Jesus is 100% divine, we do a deep disservice to the gospel if we fail to remember that Jesus was also 100% human. And I know that the math is irrational on this point. But this is what we mean when we assert that Jesus was fully human and fully divine. And no story shows Jesus' humanity better than this text from John. This story that only appears in John's gospel. He receives a message that Lazarus is ill. And he takes his time to return to Bethany. Where he had had to leave after being threatened with stoning, mind you. Hence Thomas's, let us go with him that we may die also. Upon reaching Bethany, he sees Martha... And then Mary, Lazarus' sisters, the crowds all mourning this loss of a pillar of the community. And Jesus weeps. In the face of this loss, Jesus doesn't exhibit the strong, silent Gary Cooper type sadness with a single tear rolling down a stoic face. This isn't either tears unwittingly falling from his eyes while he chokes them back. Jesus weeps. He allows his feelings to show. He falls to his knees. He looks to heaven. His breathing is staggered. He is weeping in choked breathings, tears streaming, audible sobbing, fullness. The truth be told, we don't know much about Lazarus or his relationship with Jesus. We have a lot of blank spaces that go unfilled. We do know that they were friends. We know that Lazarus was, quote, he whom you love, as Mary and Martha put it in the message that they send. Perhaps they were childhood friends who grew up playing together. Maybe they met in school or in synagogue, sitting next to each other, striking up a lifetime friendship. Maybe they met later, A mutual affection growing between them as they discussed faith, life, and love. What we do know at least, this wasn't just an acquaintance Jesus made while he was teaching in Bethany. While Lazarus isn't mentioned in the other story of Mary and Martha, you remember when Martha gets really ticked at Mary for not helping in the kitchen? 
his presence still lingers there, particularly when we know that this story is coming. We know that they were friends. And Jesus' reaction shows how close they were. And this isn't the first time Jesus has encountered the death of someone close to him. Remember that early in his ministry, Jesus receives word of the murder of his cousin, John the Baptist. And while the text gives no indication of Jesus weeping there, he does show signs of grief. He tells his disciples to go with him to a deserted place for a time of rest, which doesn't last long as the crowd of 5,000 follows and finds where he has sought refuge. But why does he weep? Why does he weep? Because he knows what's coming. He knows how this story is going to end. He hasn't even been keeping it a secret. This illness does not lead to death, he tells his disciples. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up, he says, before they even begin the trip back. Jesus says to Martha, your brother will rise again. So why does he weep? Part of the beauty of this story is that it does not erase our mourning. Sometimes we want to skip over grief, our own or the grief of others, to get to the promise of resurrection and new life. We are uncomfortable with pain and grief. So we try to get through it as quickly as we can. We use the promise of life to try to erase the pains of death. But this passage shows us that we can hold both at the same time. Through the whole story, Jesus has plans to resurrect Lazarus, but he still weeps when he witnesses and experiences the pain of his friend's death. This reading holds the tension that life springs forth from unexpected places and the pain of loss is still real. A tension that many of us grapple with in our own lives. Liturgical and homiletical scholar Melinda Quivick writes, The people who see Lazarus come out of his tomb are given the ability to believe because Jesus does not do the easy thing. That is, keep bad things from happening. Jesus, if you had only been here. Jesus does the hard thing, which is to reverse destruction. Jesus does not hurry to Lazarus' bedside to nurse him to health. He waits. He takes his time. And then, when death has occurred, Jesus appears at the tomb to weep with the mourners. 
the detractors see his tears and wonder why he didn't come earlier and save Lazarus as he gave sight to a blind man. Martha and Mary both confront him with the charge that had he just been there, then Lazarus would still be breathing. Note, there is no evidence of doubt in their language. They know who Jesus is and what he is capable of. And these are questions that stop many people from believing in Christ because it is logically impossible. And we human beings crave answers that make sense. If God Almighty can do one thing, why not another? They ask. But Jesus shows us that God's power is inextricably linked to our very humanness. And our humanness is inseparable from our emotions, the joyful and the painful. This story reminds us that God feels our pain as deeply as we do, if not more so. Being in relationship with Jesus means facing death and grief with him and learning that still, in spite of the death and the dryness of the bones that litter the valley and the finality of the door at the entrance of the tomb of our hopes, he can still be said to be life. Nothing is ever so dead that it keeps him from being that being that in himself and for us. And in John's gospel, that life is not only a future hope, abundant and new life is always ever now. As we approach Holy Week, which begins just next week. Having Jesus at our tombs also means that we must follow him to his. We must endure the silence of his Saturday even as we endure the silences of our own. But we endure them knowing already that Sunday will surely come. That when we are walking in the garden of our grief, we will meet him again. When we endure loss in our lives, as we all surely have and all surely will again, let us cling to the reminder that we believe in a Lord who lived as we did, who loved as we do, and who grieves with us every single time, even knowing the end of the story. Let us pray. Jesus, our friend and Savior, we give thanks that you call us to new life and to new possibilities. 
May the words we have heard today empower us to rise and follow you always. Amen. At this time, I would like to invite Betty forward for our minute for mission. think as Peter McKinney said last year, how many of us don't know about the one great hour of sharing? <laughs> this is just a reminder. In your pews, you are going to find an envelope. Or in your envelope box, you will find an envelope for the one great hour of sharing. Already our children collected monies for food. We have been very well aware of the Presbyterian disaster assistance. We're not a congregation that is unaware of the needs of the people around us and around the world. The One Great Hour of Sharing has been a long-standing national church giving, and it is very much needed. In your bulletins, you also have this as another reminder. Just bring yourself up to date. Remind yourself again that you're right. Holy Week is coming soon. And we will be passing the baskets again. One great hour of sharing really brings out Matthew 25, that we as a congregation have said we are striving to work with. When Jesus says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me something to drink, gave me clothes. I was sick, and you came to visit me. This is what the great hour of sharing is all about. And I would like to share a prayer. Oh God, we pray you for justice, justice for all who struggle to feed their families, maintain and shelter and strengthen their lives. May our gifts and our prayers join with our partners in faith to bring about the just world that you deserve. Amen.
Thank you so much, Betty, uh, for reminding us of this important offering. And we will collect this special offering on Easter Sunday. Um, Easter, it's coming. Much faster than I'm ready for. Um, Help us decorate the sanctuary. Uh, We've got uh, Easter flower orders are due tomorrow uh, in the church office. Um, Please uh, make sure you get those in um, and don't miss out. Uh, Our Holy Week schedule uh, is uh, just slightly different this year. Um, We will be having, uh, uh, obviously, our Palm Sunday service next week here at 10 a.m. And then... On Maundy Thursday, we will be having a special service here in the sanctuary at 7 p.m. Um, with, uh, with communion. Uh, and on Good Friday, we will be journeying down to New Covenant Presbyterian Church for a service there at 6.30. Um, both Pastor Katie and I will be uh, participating and doing both services together. Uh, this is a wonderful opportunity for us to collaborate with our sister church, who is just a few miles up the road. Um, both of those services will be available online uh, as well. Uh, watch your email for specifics on those. Um, and then on Easter Sunday... There are two opportunities for you to greet the new day. The first is an online um, uh, worship at 6.15, online only, so you can still be in your pajamas. Um, And that will be at 6.15. And then a sunrise service at 8 a.m. I know that the sunrise is earlier than 8 a.m., but we decided to push this service back just a little bit. Uh, And weather permitting, we will be meeting outside uh, on the side yard. Then at 8.45, join us in Fellowship Hall for an Easter brunch. Uh, Choir, that should give you enough time to come and eat something before you have to come in here and rehearse. Um, And then our Easter service will be at 10 a.m. here in the sanctuary. Uh, All are invited. Um, bring your friends, neighbors, um, whoever you see on the street, bring them. Um, we thank John Nitsky for hosting fellowship this morning, uh, following worship in Fellowship Hall. Uh, so please join us through these doors uh, following worship. And if you have any interest or desire to uh, offer up a fellowship hour, coffee, snacks, uh, whatever, uh, there is a sign-up sheet. Diane, is that, it's back there? Or no, it's in Fellowship Hall. Uh, Right next to the coffee pot. You can't miss it. Um, And then uh, next Saturday, um, Marianne Maisley-Hannett is going to be sharing with us Ukrainian Easter traditions uh, here in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, from 1 to 3. Marianne has all the information on it, uh, and uh, it promises to be a really good time. There's a lot going on. This is a busy season. Make sure you look through uh, your announcements to get everything. But that being said, I'm going to turn it to Ray.
as God called Ezekiel to practice his ministry of prophecy among skulls and skeletons, so we are called to offer what we have, participating in the Spirit's redemptive, restorative work.
God. Thank you for the gifts we bring to you. May these gifts bring new life to those who are in need in our community and in the world. In your beloved name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. really glad I didn't have to preach after that. <laughs> Beautiful job, choir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This morning, we uh, keep in mind all of the areas of the world that are suffering through natural disasters um, from the east coast of Africa and her, uh, Cyclone Freddy. Uh, to the tornadoes down south, uh, particularly in Mississippi, uh, to Turkey and Syria that are still recovering, uh, and all those many, many other places. Uh, God, we ask for your presence there. We also lift up, I, I believe I've heard that Shirley uh, Dudzik um, uh, passed away this past week, um, and um, longtime member of our congregation, uh, and we keep her uh, family in prayer. When we get uh, information and, and notices about services and everything, we will get all of that out to you. Um, other prayer joys and concerns. Chandra. We, we pray for Chandra's fr uh, friend Aaron, who is dealing with family drama around inheritance. Um, and we pray for Megan, uh, that she heals <laughs> in all, all of her ailments. Uh, Hannah. from Hannah, uh, the firefighters who fought a fire in the school right in your backyard. Um, and we, we pray that for all of their safety and the continued safety of all of our first responders. But also that uh, Hannah had a car accident on Friday, but you're okay. And so is the other person, just your car a little damaged. 
And thankfulness to Bill and Charlotte, who were able to get her over to the rental, uh, rental agency so that you can have some wheels. That's important. <laughs> Betty. This, uh, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, we will be uh, sharing, a, well, Elena will be sharing a taste of the Holy Land. And uh, uh, I got to get a sneak peek of the, um, the slideshow, and the pictures I've seen are still just amazing. So it's going to be good. And, and everybody is invited, yes. Uh, Darlene and then Fred. You said almost 40 Easter baskets? That's wonderful. Thank you to everybody who, who donated. Fred. We lift up the young adults and young people in our world who are trying to find their way and finding it difficult in many cases. Thank you, Fred. Cindy. Cindy, you beat me to my uh, spiel that we're getting together on Wednesday. <laughs> we are so glad that you have found your way here. Shannon has a job interview tomorrow. We will be praying for you, and, uh, and we will be sending you all the good vibes and everything tomorrow. <laughs> Fred said, kick some butt. <laughs> yeah, no. 
we've got enough broken legs around here. Yes. Fern. Oh, wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Sixteen pounds and he's two months? Oh, big boy. <laughs> That's a big boy. We, we, we celebrate that Fern was able to meet her great-grandson yesterday and, and she gave him a blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, he gave her. Well, I'm sure you gave her, but... It's how I speak to babies, so... Uh, and John uh, did ask me to uh, let everyone know that uh, in Fellowship Hour today, we've got war cake. If you want to know what that is, go eat it and ask him about it. So. <laughs> yes. Your grandpa had a stroke, and then he went to the hospital, and I, I missed the last part. Okay, okay. We will be praying for him, absolutely, and for all of you. Folks, let us go to God in prayer. God of valley and grave. We come before you today and we pray for your life-giving presence in places that seem dry and dead. There are those places we know from the news. Ukraine, Turkey, Syria, Greece, Mississippi, East Palestine, places where war, natural disaster, and human greed have left dead bodies and broken lives behind. Mortal, can these bones live? You asked, O oh God. And for people in these places where they have had to bury ones they love, even as they worry about their own living. Give them breath that indeed they may live. And then there are the places that don't make the national news, but we know oh so well because they are close to us. We hold these places and spaces up to you. God, we have named many of them aloud this morning but recognize that some go unnamed, unspoken, and live in the quiet of our hearts. God, we know that you hold them all. Across your created world, your people wait and hope. We wait for an end to gun violence. We wait for an end to racial injustice. 
We wait for an end to the hatred and heresy of white supremacy. We wait for an end to the priority of money over people. We wait for an end to all those things that rob your people of life, that rob your people of breath, that rob your people of wholeness. And we hope. We hope for the promise of the morning. The time when a new light will break on the horizon, hinting at the glory of your presence in our midst. We hope for the promise of the resurrection, of the life that is ours even when we don't see it fully. God, we give you thanks for so much. As we gaze across your world, O oh God, we wonder where we fit in. Where would you have us be, O oh God? What would you have us do? You know, O oh God, if the bones can live. Do you invite us into partnership with you as you did with the mortal in Ezekiel 37? Do you extend to us the invitation to co-create do you hold forth for us to see the ways we can be your presence of life, of wholeness, of healing for your creation? Is it possible that in those things for which we wait, you invite us to be a sign of hope? Give us the courage to live the reality of the resurrection. Give us the courage to witness to new life. Give us the courage to step into your created world with your words of prophecy, with the courage to believe that you call us and guide us so that bones may live and your people may breathe. In your name, we pray in the way that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit to sing our final hymn, 744, Arise, Your Light Has Come.
beloved in Christ, beloved of Christ. May the love of God, the life of Christ, and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always, a constant reminder of who you are and whose you are. Amen.